0: Nobody, nobody,
1: nobody,
2: nobody.
0: Nobody
2: nobody reads short stories.
3: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Nobody Reads Short Stories. You can find all of our previous episodes at nobodyreadshortstories.com. I'm very excited about tonight's episode, so let's get into it. Here is tonight's episode.
4: Nobody Reads Short Stories presents Chin Killers by J.L. Love.
3: Detectives Lucas O'Bannon and Wilhelmina Walk sped down County Road 17 in a black Tesla sedan en route to Haas Chinchilleries, a chinchilla farm situated on the southwestern edge of Palli County and the scene of a suspected mass homicide.
2: What I want to know is,
3: Detective Walk began as she perused search images of chinchillas on the car's computer.
2: What's the difference between these things and rats?
4: People don't pay a fortune to wear rat fur coats.
2: Detective O'Bannon replied.
4: You never went in on a wearing fur walk?
2: Not so much, no.
4: None of your boyfriends ever tried to buy your affections with a pricey mink or chinchilla or whatever?
2: Well, it's been a while since I've dated men. Walk said. But no, was never into wearing fur.
4: Oh, okay. And, um, none of your ladies aren't, either?
2: Getting a tad personal, aren't we, partner?
4: Sorry. Just making conversation.
2: Yeah, I see. Just guy talk, huh? Bannon grinned.
4: Truthfully, my last partner was a guy. Most of the time, we were in the car. We hardly talked at all.
2: Well, don't feel like you need to be constantly gabbing just because I'm a woman. I can appreciate silence, too. Before the tension
3: in the car could get much thicker, O'Bannon pulled into the parking lot of Haas chinchilleries.
4: Still not sure why they called us out here.
3: O'Bannon said
2: as he and Walk approached the main building.
4: I mean, who the hell would want to murder chinchilla farmers?
2: Maybe somebody who wants to go into the fur business for themselves. Walk said,
4: Uni said there are three
2: dead bodies in there. If they wanted to take over, they wouldn't have left any evidence. This is taking the term hostile takeover to its literal
4: extreme. Things must have gone sideways.
2: O'Bannon and
3: Walk lifted the crime scene tape and entered the building. The second thing O'Bannon noticed, after wincing at the sight of three mutilated bodies in pools of blood, was his former associate, Caleb Mills, who was now employed on the force as part of the crime scene investigation unit.
4: Mills, my man,
3: O'Bannon said while bumping
1: his
4: fist. Figured you'd be all up in this. What have we got here? Robbery gone wrong? Crime of passion?
1: Not completely sure yet. Mills replied.
3: He looked at Walk and extended his hand.
1: Hi, Caleb
4: Mills. Uh crap, I'm sorry. This is my new partner, Wilhelmina Walk.
2: Nice to meet you, CSI Mills. Walk said.
1: Please, you can call me Caleb.
3: O'Bannon cleared his throat theatrically.
4: Uh, Mills, about the bodies?
1: Yeah, the bodies. This one's a real brain tickler. There are no bullet or knife wounds on any of the victims gunshot residue or bullet holes in the walls or anywhere else.
2: So what did the killers use? Walk asked. Their hands?
1: (laughs) Only if they have super sharp nails.
2: Mills
3: said.
1: These poor souls appear to have been rent, torn, and bitten to death.
4: What are you saying, Mills? O'Bannon
1: asked. I'm saying that it would appear that they were victims of an animal attack.
2: Like the chinchillas went berserk and turned on these guys? Walk asked.
1: Exactly.
4: This was an animal attack?
1: O'Bannon
3: asked.
4: Then what are we doing here? I'm
1: guessing they called homicide in because an attack by crazed chinchillas is far outside the realm of
4: feasibility. Plain English, Mills. He's saying that
2: chinchillas aren't meat eaters, and though they are known to nip at their handlers, their bites aren't severe enough to kill. Walk said.
1: Somebody's been Googling.
2: Mills said.
1: Although it certainly looks like these people were attacked by chinchillas. Could be that they were breeding a different, more vicious species of them, as ridiculous as that may sound.
4: Well, that seems easy enough to prove.
2: O'Bannon said.
4: Just dissect one of the chinchillas. Uh,
2: vivisect. Walk said. Not dissect. If the animal's still alive, it's called a vivisection.
4: Well, how stupid is that? It's only alive after the first cut or two. Then it becomes a dissection anyway, right? Um, we would vivisect.
3: Mill said, casting a glance at Walk.
1: But there ain't a one to be found. Their cages have all been opened, and all we've got is a few tufts of fur mixed in with the copious amounts of human blood. Hang on. O'Bannon said.
4: Are you suggesting that the chinchillas broke out, went nuts, and mauled these people, and are at large?
2: It's almost like these chinchillas weren't in the mood to become fashion accessories for humans. Walk said.
4: Regardless, we certainly don't want a case about possible killer chinchillas getting leaked to the press.
3: O'Bannon
2: said.
4: We'll let you finish your investigation, Mills. Call us if any human suspects show up
2: call us anyway walk added i'm oddly intrigued by the prospect of killer chinchillas you got it mills said to o'bannon while looking at walk
3: seven-year-old tori Harmon sat in the back seat of the family <clears throat> lexus suv swiping away at the images on her kid style brand tablet while her parents claire and andrew wondered out loud about which restaurant they should drive through to pick up dinner.
4: I've had the chicken sandwich from that place,
2: Andrew said.
4: It really is as good as they say. Almost good enough to punch the guy ahead of you for ordering the last one.
2: I'm sure it is, Claire said. But I don't like the idea of putting breaded chicken between more bread. Think of all those carbs. Yeah. Andrew moaned.
4: All those delicious carbs that settles it we're going there right now
3: andrew told the car's gps to direct them to the nearest chicken joint it instructed him to make a u-turn and shortcut down a two-lane country road
2: andy this is in the opposite direction of home claire said forget the damn chicken sandwich and let's just get some burgers or something
4: no candy, sweetie. I got my taste buds all primed for some of that deep-fried goodness. And now I just gotta have it. Tori wants them, too. He turned to look at
3: Tori in the back seat.
4: Don't you, Tori?
3: Tori looked up from her tablet. Don't I want it, Daddy? Andrew glanced at Claire, who gave him a look he'd come to know all too well. He looked at Tori again and winked as the car continued down the highway.
4: Just go along with the kid.
3: Claire turned toward the windshield just in time to catch what appeared to be a family of three black furred woodland creatures crawling across the road a few feet in front of them. Andy! Claire lunged for the steering wheel, jerking it in the Lexus to the left. Andrew quickly pulled the wheel back to the right while stomping both his feet on the brake pedal. The SUV skidded a short distance, then came to an abrupt stop in a grassy ditch.
4: What the hell was that all about? Andrew
3: wheezed as everyone in the car caught their breath.
1: You're about
2: to run over a family of skunks,
3: Claire replied.
4: What? And so your solution to that was to swerve us into oncoming traffic?
2: There weren't any cars coming.
4: So, who gives a crap about some skunks? If it's a bunch of furballs versus an SUV, the SUV always wins. Next time, just let me flatten the varmints.
2: How about next time you keep your damn eyes on the road, huh? How about that?
4: Andrews sighed throatily. Anyway, we're all fine. The airbags didn't deploy, and we're all wearing our seatbelts. I'm fine. You're fine. Tori's.
3: He looked at the back seat. Tori wasn't there, and the driver's side back door was open. Her parents' faces both went pale. Oh, my God, Claire shrieked, unbuckling and flinging her door open. Was she thrown from the car? Tori, Tori. Andrew exited the car just as frantically. They looked behind the car and saw Tori kneeling in the grass. Tori stood up and turned around. She was holding one of the creatures in her hands.
2: Look, Mommy and Daddy, a cute little bunny. Tori, put that thing down before it sprays you. Claire said,
4: I don't think that's a skunk, Andrew said, they have white stripes and furry tails. That looks more like a giant rat. It it might have rabies. Tori, drop that mangy thing.
3: No, Tori said, surprising her parents. It's a cute bunny and I want to keep it.
2: I don't think it's a rabbit either,
3: Claire said.
2: The ears don't look quite right.
3: It's just a little baby bunny, Tori said. He don't have big ears yet. His family left him behind. He might get splatted or maybe even eaten up. Can we please take him home?
4: I'm going to call our insurance, Andrew said. Claire, talk to your daughter.
3: He walked a few feet away from them and yelled into his phone. Call Ving the insurance king. Tori was glad her father excused himself. Mommy was much easier to break down. Feel how soft he is, Mommy. She offered the creature to Claire as if she were presenting her with an expensive objet dart. The little fur ball sniffed at Claire's hand then jumped into it.
2: Wow.
3: Claire said as the creature made itself a home in her palm, its fur was so dense, dark, and shiny all at the same time. Now that she was closer to it, the creature seemed more exotic. Claire thought it might be an ermine or mink or some other creature that they make expensive fur coats out of. Even though she had only the faintest idea what those animals looked like, Tori could see that she was enchanted by it as well. Honey. We can't keep it, Claire said, snapping herself out of her reverie. Please, Mommy, he got separated from his Mommy and Daddy. He'll die out here without his family. Please. Ving the insurance king had a tow truck out there in less than an hour. The Lexus was unsituated and they were back on the road headed for home. Andrew had lost his appetite for chicken. Tori had the tiny animal in her jacket
4: pocket. Wilhelmina,
3: Detective O'Bannon said as Detective Walk passed by,
4: Got a message for you.
3: He handed Walk a slip of paper. She unfolded it and read,
1: Hey, got some more info on the massacre at the Chinchillery. Dropped by to tell you, but you were out. Give me a call. 555-7189. CSI, Caleb Mills.
3: Walk sat down at her desk and reached for her phone. She stopped dialing when a nearby television caught her eye. A newscaster was reporting on a breaking news story. Though she was too far away to hear what he was saying, she could easily make out the image of a chinchilla in the box to the left of the newscaster. She walked over and turned up the volume.
4: Just outside of town,
3: KDEF news anchor Rob Dobson said,
4: at a farm where chinchillas were being raised. One gentleman who owns land in Northern Pali County says he is lucky to have survived an encounter with the potentially rabid creatures. It was hundreds of them crossed my property.
3: A gray haired and bearded man wearing stained overalls identified as Reap Sexton said to the
1: camera. Okay, maybe not hundreds, but there was a lot of them. Little black furry things. First, I thought they were skunks. Then one of the little critters come running right at me. So I got my hot six that I always keep next to me here on the porch and I lit him up. What did you do with the carcass? The reporter asked. Well, y'all done said these things are killers. So I did the humane thing and tossed them into the fire. Walk grimaced.
4: Citizens are urged to keep far away from these vicious wild animals. Rob Dobson said. And to call animal control immediately, should they see one.
3: Walk was still having a hard time believing that chinchillas could be bred to evolve into bloodthirsty killing machines. She was also bothered by the fact that this Reap Sexton character was frightened enough to shoot an animal that was barely bigger than his fist. She placed a call to CSI Mills. Looks like the story got out. She said into the phone. Mills laughed in reply.
1: (laughs) Yeah, somebody on my team has loose lips. Wasn't me though, I swear. Anyway, I was just about to grab some lunch. Wanna come with? I'll buy.
2: Okay, it's a date.
4: It is?
1: Mills asked. Walk
3: ended the call. A date? O'Bannon asked.
4: Sorry, I couldn't help overhearing.
2: Yeah. Walk said. Especially when you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I am going to meet Mills for lunch, but it's not a date. Just said that to mess with him.
4: So, what is it? You mess with men, but you date women?
2: Nope. I mess with and date everybody, but I'm just having lunch with Mills.
3: Tori and her parents sat at their dining room table prepared to enjoy their chicken parmesana, one of Claire's favorite meals to make.
4: You know what, Claire?
3: Andrew said. I think
4: those critters we almost hit the other day were a pack of those killer chinchillas they were talking about on the news.
2: Oh, I don't know about that.
4: Well, I really do think so, and to think... Tori was actually holding one of them. That damn thing could have mauled her face off. I'm glad you made her put it down.
3: Andrew took a sip of his water. Claire and Tori <laughs> exchanged nervous looks. What? Andrew asked. What? Claire echoed.
2: Nothing. Eat your chicken, hon. I uh, made a new marinara. Let me know how you like it. Andrew
3: cut into the meat.
4: Anyway, if I see another one of them things, I'll put on my climbing boots and stomping in the paste.
3: Tori gasped. Mommy! What? Andrew said again. What'd I say? Tori got up from her chair. Mommy, don't let Daddy stomp my foxy! She ran down the hall. Claire looked at Andrew and
2: shrugged.
4: Claire? Hmm? What's a Foxy?
2: Why He's Tori's new pet. Claire
3: stated matter-of-factly.
2: But don't worry. He's not one of those killer chinchillas. He's very gentle. Are you kidding me?
3: Andrew pushed his chair away from the dining room table and stood up. Andy,
4: don't. Oh, don't you don't.
3: He jogged upstairs and rapped lightly on Tori's
4: bedroom door. Tori, honey, open the door.
3: no. You're gonna kill Foxy.
4: I'm not going to kill him. I just want to take a look at him and make sure he's okay.
3: He's fine. He never bit me or nothing. Claire reached the top of the stairs.
2: Andy, please don't hurt
4: Foxy. I'm not honest. If Tori's had him for this long and he hasn't attacked, then he's not a killer. I just want to look at him. Why? You're not an animal doctor. Because it is my job to keep this family safe. Hey, your sister's a vet, isn't she? Let's have her examine Foxy. Then, if he's truly dangerous or rabid or whatever, she'll know how to dispose of him humanely. No, Andy.
3: The info CSI Mills had about the killer chinchillas was scanty at best. The only additional info he had about the massacre at the chinchillary was that upon autopsy, the victims all had some sort of nerve-deadening neurotoxin in their system. It appeared to be chemical, but they were not ruling out the idea that it may have been some sort of venom produced by the animals.
1: Never seen anything
2: like that before.
3: Mills said after stuffing his face with a forkful of Caesar salad. I'll bet not. Walk said, dodging
2: projectiles of crouton crumbs. You probably don't handle a lot of cases of animal massacres, huh?
1: You'd be surprised. I would. Okay, you wouldn't. <laughs> I just wanted to say something more interesting than nope.
2: Ah, uh, gotcha. Mm-hmm.
1: Not a whole lot of animal attacks in these parts.
2: Mills continued.
1: In fact, I think the last time my team had to deal with anything critter-related was when we responded to an attack on a woman wearing an animal.
3: Walk looked up from her plate.
1: Oh? Yeah, some crazy broad, um, I mean, lady. She said she was a crusader for the rights of all living creatures. Don't remember her name. I think it was Shauna or Sheena or something like that. White lady with brown dreadlocks and wearing a sundress, even though it was November. Anyway, she was still on the scene when we showed up to process the aftermath of what she did to an old lady who was wearing a fur jacket. Anyway, she was still on the scene when we showed up to process the aftermath of what she did to an old lady who was wearing a fur jacket. Went after her with a pocket knife. Wow. Yeah, wow but it looks like the animals are doing their own slashing now. We might all need to start toting around shotguns like that country boy, Pete um, Preston. Walk chuckled.
2: <laughs> You're not exactly good with names, are you, Caleb? <laughs> no,
1: but I never forget a face.
2: <laughs> His name was Reap Preston, I think. No, uh, wait. That, that's not it either. It, it was... Reap Sexton was the name pasted
3: on the rust-colored rule mailbox on the edge of his property. On the porch, his shotgun was still propped against the wall of the house, inches from the front door. The wooden rocker, where Reap regularly sat to watch his 30-foot-by-50-foot American flag flap majestically in the wind, was empty. Reap himself was lying in front of his chair. His eyes were fixed on his flag, but they weren't looking at anything. The blood had poured from his flayed throat so quickly his life essence had drained from his eyes before he could close them andrew eventually got into tori's room and after promising her a visit to the toy department at target as well as a stop by the local ice cream parlor they visited with dr marna doyle claire's sister at her home in the neighboring suburb tori took foxy out of her pocket and presented it to marna It sure doesn't look vicious, she said. That's because he's not, Tori said. And you say you found it in the woods, Marna? Marna asked Claire.
4: There was a whole family of them,
3: Andrew replied.
4: They were running across the row. I don't know where that chinchilla farm is, but they could have been running away from it after filleting all the workers there.
2: Andy, Claire said. We don't know that these are the same kind of chinchillas as the killer ones. There are different kinds of them, aren't there, Marna? Not really,
3: she replied. They're also not native to the US. They don't exist in the wild, so this little guy most likely came from either an exotic pet store or that chinchilla farm. The Harmons followed Marna into her basement office. Marna put Foxy on her exam table. She opened a plastic container and poured some finely ground gray-colored dust onto the table. Foxy waddled over and immediately started thrashing about in the dust. Get back! Andrew said, pushing Claire and Tori behind him. He's freaking out. Marna, what did you do to him? uh, Nothing, it's a dust bath, it's what they do.
4: So you're saying he's a normal chinchilla?
3: Andrew asked. Looks to be, and I'll tell you something else. It's not a he, it's a she. (gasps) Tori and Claire gasped. And she's going to have babies, Marna added. Andrew's eyes widened.
4: Babies? With an S? If she's pregnant, then she must have escaped from that farm.
3: Most likely.
4: She could turn and kill her any minute. Marna, can you, um, get rid of it for us?
3: No! Tori shrieked. Andy, no. Claire said.
4: That thing is not coming back into our house.
3: Andrew said.
4: Not a chance in hell.
3: But Daddy! I'm not going to euthanize a perfectly healthy animal, Marna said. That's not what I'm all about. Can I keep her then? Tori asked, here, at your house, and I can come visit and play with her, please, Aunt Arna. Sure, if it's okay with your parents.
4: Of course,
3: Claire said.
4: Your funeral.
3: Andrew added. Detective Walk was in line at her local coffee shop to order her usual from Tony, her favorite barista. Mina! Mina! Tony's face brightened when he saw her. We doing a regular or a
1: double today? Just a reg, Walk said. You got it, hon. He went to make her beverage. So you caught any baddies lately?
2: (laughs) Not lately. She laughed
3: derisively at Tony, referring to alleged murderers as baddies.
2: A few cases are still open, but it seems like people just aren't in the killing mood these days they must be drinking enough coffee.
1: Like I always say, coffee is cheaper than therapy, but only slightly.
2: (laughs) Tony laughed too loudly.
1: Girl, what you think about those little mouse looking thingies going around killing folk? Too bad you can't arrest animals, huh? Slap tiny handcuffs on those little murderers.
2: (laughs) You mean the chinchillas? I don't know. I'm not totally convinced that they went psycho and killed those farmers. Not just
1: the farmers. Did you see the story about the hillbilly who blasted the one chilla? Yeah. Well, guess his family didn't like it and took the revenge. They found that poor bastard at his home, slashed to ribbons. What? Tony passed walk her coffee. Oh yeah. Couldn't find any of them either. Chillas must have went in, cut up, and cut out like little furry black ninjas
2: no way
1: yep news said animal control rounded up about a half a dozen of them things
2: what are they planning to do with them
1: it beats me Tony said they should just gas them all and toss them in a landfill somewhere if you ask me
2: that's horrible
1: walk said honey they're killer animals it's not like they can send them to prison and get rehab
2: Walk
3: sipped her hot beverage and listened to the news channel on her satellite radio while she drove herself to the police station. A couple out walking claimed to have encountered a nest of deadly chinchillas while out on their regular trail, a female newscaster said. They immediately left the woods and notified authorities, who investigated but could not find any of the creatures, which means they are still out there. Citizens are urged to stay indoors until this threat to the public has been controlled. Oh, good grief. Walk mumbled. Walk parked in the employee lot and walked around to the front of the station. There were a few people outside the front doors holding signs and yelling at a few officers standing opposite them. In front of the pack of protesters was a young woman of slight build, wearing a tie-dyed sundress and a crocheted multicolored beanie covering her head. She also had a megaphone that was either malfunctioning or the batteries had worn out. Animal murderers! The woman yelled. It's about time nature fought back.
4: Go home, you crazy broad.
3: One of the officers yelled back.
4: Your megaphone already quit. Maybe you should too.
3: I am exercising my First Amendment right to a peaceful protest. The woman put her face up to the officers. And I don't need my megaphone. Hey, get back. The officer pushed her and she stumbled backwards. Walk trotted over to her.
2: Take it easy, guys. Nobody needs to get hurt.
3: Thanks, lady, the woman said. But I can handle myself. Walk turned to the woman.
2: What exactly are you protesting?
3: We want them to free the chinchillas. I just know they're gonna kill them all.
2: Animal control doesn't kill animals,
3: Walk said.
2: And besides, these chinchillas are thought to be dangerous. What? You'd rather have them out roaming the streets?
3: They're not dangerous, the woman said. They're fighting for survival. People, have been turning them into coats for years. Now they're shooting them and setting them on fire? What would you do? Walk looked at the woman's beanie and noticed a few dark blonde dreadlocks poking out from one side. Calm
2: down, miss.
3: My name is Shoshana Levy, she said. Crusader for the rights of all non-human creatures.
2: I'm Detective Wilhelmina Walk. Do you know a lot about chinchillas, Shoshana? Uh,
3: I know everything about every animal. Just like I know it was only a matter of time before these innocent creatures got fed up with man's cruelty. They're fed up and now they're ready to feed. And we say good for them. Cheers and claps came from the small group of protesters. Shoshana continued. And this is just the beginning. Until mankind learns to show more respect and deference to the animal community, more and more species will develop a taste for human blood. And you can guess whose side I'll be
2: on. So you're okay with animals hunting humans?
3: Walk asked. It's natural selection, the circle of life. Man can't expect to stay on the top of the food chain forever. What about you, Wilhelmina? Are you an animal lover or an animal murderer?
2: Well, I do enjoy the occasional steak and roast turkey, but I am for the ethical and humane treatment of animals on the whole.
3: Excellent! Excellent! Will you personally see to it that these precious killer chinchillas aren't slaughtered by these fascist foot soldiers?
2: It's not exactly my department, but I'll do all I can.
3: Cool. You got a card? Yep. Walk reached into her jacket pocket. Here you go. Thanks. I'll be in touch. She winked at Walk before turning to address her supporters. Walk didn't think Shoshana had the look of a psychopath. Her fervent love for animals only made her more attractive. In fact, Walk subconsciously hoped that she'd hear from Shoshana soon. She wanted to ask her about the assault charge that Mills mentioned, maybe even over a drink or a light lunch. Claire, Tori, Marna said after opening her front door. What are you doing here?
2: Hi, Claire said. Tori wanted to drop by and visit with Foxy for a little bit before we leave town for the weekend.
3: Marna frowned. Oh, I wish you had called first. I I didn't want to give you this. I didn't want to have to give you the bad news in person. What bad news? Did Foxy attack you? "Uh, No, no. Marna looked down at Tori. Hun, i I'm sorry, but animal control came and picked up Foxy yesterday. No! Tori buried her face in her mother's belly.
2: How come?
3: Claire asked.
2: Didn't you say she wasn't vicious?
3: She wasn't, but apparently Charlie was worried and
2: he insisted we turn her in. Ugh, husbands can be such wusses sometimes.
3: bunch of big babies is what they are. What a cute little pad you got here. Shoshana said while walking into Walk's third floor loft apartment. Being a cop must pay pretty good these days, huh?
2: I do all right,
3: Walk replied.
2: And thanks for coming by. And thanks for not being weirded out by my invitation. I wasn't quite sure that you were into girls.
3: I have love for all living creatures. Most of my relationships with humans haven't exactly worked out for the best, but hope springs eternal, you know?
2: Yeah, and the human creatures tend to be more fun to go out on dates with.
3: There's that, too. (laughs) Walk laughed softly.
2: Yeah, I would suspect that human you attacked with a knife last year wasn't exactly someone you had love for.
3: I figured you'd find out about that. Shoshana said. It, it was just a big old misunderstanding. I was simply trying to cut the fur coat off of her so I could destroy it. She was, um, shall we say, a little resistant.
2: Understandably, I'd say.
3: Yeah, it was a bit extreme on my part, but I admitted my guilt and I served my time for it. I have found other ways to get my message across since then.
2: We'll have a seat, Walk said. I'll get us some tea.
3: Walk went into her kitchen for the drinks. I was so pleased to hear that those sweet and ascension chillas are going to be rehomed.
2: Well, like I said, some will go to pet stores, some to zoos. After testing their blood, they couldn't find any traces of neurotoxins in any of them.
3: I could have told you that. Shoshana said.
2: Really? You knew about the farmers being paralyzed? That wasn't on the news, was it?
3: Shoshana looked around the living room. No, but I know that chinchillas aren't venomous. No mammals are. Not true. Walk said.
2: Some species of moles secrete venom and shrews have poison bites too.
3: Oh, you've done your homework, I see. Walt gave Shoshana a cup of hot tea, then sat down next to her.
2: Well, I am a detective. I detect things.
3: Shoshana sipped slowly. Uh Uh-huh. And um, what are you detecting now?
2: Hmm, I don't know, but I'd say there was some animal attraction in the air, when you?
3: Definitely. You want to kiss me, don't you? walkling
2: Maybe it's you who wants to kiss me.
3: I want to do more than that. But first, I need to know how dedicated you are. Walk's eyes widened.
2: Dedicated to...
3: To upholding the rights of all our animal brethren. Shoshana bopped Walk on her nose. Walk smiled as she leaned in.
2: I think humans should advocate for animals, but wouldn't go so far as to destroy people's fur coats. Those things cost a lot of dough. Also, it's kind of like throwing water on a fire that's already burnt down a building, don't you think?
3: I told you, I don't do stuff like that anymore. I've learned that there are other ways to be more hands-on in certain situations.
2: Such as?
3: Shoshana gestured with her index finger. Come here. Walk leaned in. Before their lips could meet, Shoshana took a long metal hair stick from her bun of dreadlocks and stabbed it into Walk's right shoulder. Ah,
2: what the hell? I'm not into pain, Shoshana.
3: It'll only hurt for a little while. Then you'll feel nothing. What? The toxin will act quickly. (sighs) Toxin? You... Shoshana put on a pair of latex gloves. Get your last words out now, Wilhelmina. Make them good ones. Walk slumped into the couch as her body began to go numb. Shoshana walked over and sat next to her and groped her from neck to navel. Not packing your piece, I see. Where are you hiding it? Lock. Uh, Good. Guns are too loud anyway. Walk struggled to move her lips. You you, you killed farmers, she wheezed. You know Lock. I did. Shoshana said. That's the real reason you invited me over, isn't it? You're probably not even gay, are you? Bye. Oh, don't say bye just yet. The fun's just beginning.
2: No, I'm bye.
3: Shoshana laughed. Oh, (laughs) well, it's not like it matters now anyway. Yeah, I killed the farmers, and that dumb hillbilly who thought he was some kind of folk hero tried to kill that rich bitch with the fur coat, too. Those who needlessly murder animals should meet even worse fates. In more primitive environments, the problem tends to take care of itself. I feel it's only right that someone like myself should step in to help the more defenseless animals out, you know? Shoshana stood up. They thought those cute little chinchillas were killers. Shows how stupid humans can be. Chinchillas got those little bitty teeth and barely any claws to speak of. Walk tried to follow Shoshana around the room with her eyes as they were the only body parts she could still move. I made some nifty little tools that can make wounds look like animal bites and scratches so easy and satisfying to slowly cut into them and peel away their skin when they're all paralyzed and stuff. Then, by the time they bleed out, I'm in the next county. I brought some of my tools with me, wanna see them? Walk moved her eyes from side to side. No? Well, you're gonna see them anyway when I use them on you. Shoshana picked up her homemade crocheted purse from the end table and pulled out a few sharp and barbed instruments that resembled kitchen-grade vegetable peelers and other potentially lethal utensils. "'Just so you know, I'm not going to enjoy this,' she said. "'At first, you seemed like someone I could trust to aid me in my mission.' Too bad you're a cop and you're all hung up on that pesky, no kill humans deal. She tested the sharpness of the peeler with her fingernail. Oh, who am I kidding? I am going to enjoy this a little bit. She leaned in and looked into Walk's eyes. Looks like you've checked out. At least you won't see what's about to happen. She placed the razor-thin edge of the peeler to Walk's throat. Loud, urgent banging at the front door of the apartment caused Shoshana to fumble the instrument. Her heart jumped as the banging continued. On the other side of the door, a male voice shouted,
4: Wilhelmina, you in there?
3: Shoshana kept silent. Wilhelmina! The voice shouted. Who is it? Shoshana yelled back in an accent she hoped would help her to pass his walk. The voice didn't answer. "Who is it? Shoshana asked again., uh, I'm a cop. Still nothing. She looked at the gate. She looked at the gap between the front door and the floor, but it wasn't wide enough for her to see any shadows or movement. She hoped that whoever was at the door had left. She fetched her peeler from the couch, then crept up to the door. Just as she was about to put her eye to the peephole, she heard a couple of clicks and then the door flew open, hitting her arm and making her drop her tool. Detective O'Bannon stood in the doorway and drew his pistol.
4: Don't move, lady.
3: He looked over to the couch at Walk's motionless body. Is she dead? Huh? Shoshana said, still dazed. I, I don't know.
4: You don't know? Whatever you did to her, undo it right now.
3: O'Bannon gestured with his gun for Shoshana to go over to the couch. I, I I can't undo it, Shoshana said.
1: Fortunately I can.
3: CSI Mills said as he walked through the doorway with a syringe in his hand. He rushed over to Walk and prepped her left arm for the needle.
4: Don't move.
3: He looked at Walk's eyes. Sorry. What's going on? Shoshana asked.
4: You can cut the crap.
3: O'Bannon said.
4: "Sasha so Levy, you are under arrest for the murder of Reap Sexton and the attempted murder of Wilhelmina Walk.
3: Reap who? What are you talking about?
4: I said cut it out. Hands behind your back.
3: I will not. You can't prove anything. She reached behind her head for the other hair stick she had stored there. O'Bannon lowered his weapon and rushed her, grabbing her arm and twisting it behind her back. He pushed her up against a wall, putting his elbow into her neck while he reached for his handcuffs. I'm just a simple animal rights advocate, Shoshana grunted.
4: You're a nutjob is what you are. Detective Walk told me she was going to record everything you've said since you came in here.
3: What? When did she tell you that?
4: Right after she told me to use her spare key to come in if she... Right after she told me to use her spare key to come in, if she didn't answer my knock.
3: A couple of uniformed officers entered the apartment.
4: Get her out of here.
3: O'Bannon said to them. Mills' antidote soon took effect, and he helped Walk get up from the couch. Aluna? Walk said after clearing her throat, throat. End recording. Recording stopped. The digital assistant said. As the officers led her out of the apartment, Shoshana looked over at the device on the counter, then walked, then looked at Walk. Oh, you're good, Wilhelmina. Will you come visit me in jail, hun? Mommy, I think that one over there with the babies. I think that's Foxy. Tori thumped her finger excitedly on the window into the exotic pet section at Pally County Animal Shelter. Let's take her and all her babies home.
2: What do you think, Andy? Claire asked.
4: Look, after that news story we saw the other day, I'm convinced that these chinchillas aren't killers. But I have to draw the line at having a house full of them. Foxy only.
3: Tori frowned. No. We can't take Foxy away from her babies. That wouldn't be right. Great, Andrew said.
4: Let's go look at the cats.
3: No, I still want to get a chinchilla.
2: What about the gray one?
3: Claire said, pointing to it.
2: He looks cute.
3: Andrew sighed.
4: Great. Let's get the one that looks even more like a rat.
2: Oh, hush, Andy. It's pretty much your fault we're here in the first place.
4: I'm not apologizing for wanting to put the safety of my family first, Claire.
3: Claire nestled into his chest.
2: You're right, honey. I'm sorry.
4: Fine. You guys go on ahead while I settle up with these folks.
3: Claire and Tori walked out of the Exotic Pets area. An older woman who had a small dog in her purse smiled at them.
2: What are you getting?
3: She asked. A chinchilla, Tori said, grinning.
2: Oh, for cute. I wanted to get one too, but the people here said it might not get along with my Chloe here.
3: The gray and black Pomeranian stared blankly at Claire and Tori. You gonna get another tiny dog? Tori asked.
2: Sure I am,
3: the lady replied.
2: Want to help me pick one out? Really? I don't know if this is such a good idea,
3: Claire said.
2: But thanks for the offer. Tori, let's get back to Daddy and your new pet, okay?
3: Claire and Tori turned away from the woman and her dog. They rounded the corner and saw Andrew at the counter.
4: It costs how much? Andrew shrieked.
3: Claire's eyes widened.
2: Come on, Tori. Let's go help that nice lady pick out a playmate.
3: They scurried back around the corner. The end.
2: Yay! Yay. Thank you so much, readers. <laughs>
3: that was fantastic. So I, I want to tip my hat to um, Simone Fairchild and Robbie <laughs> DeVillez. They are our new readers, making their Nobody Read Short Stories debut. You can find out all about uh, Robbie's endeavors. He works as an actor, a voiceover actor, a puppeteer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera at RobbieDeVilles.com. That's (laughs) R-O-B-B-Y-D-E-V-I-L-L-E-Z.com. And Simone Fairchild can be found on Instagram at Simone Fairchild. That is Simone (laughs) S-Y-M-O-N-E-F-A-I-R-C-H-I-L-D. All right, I got it. Thank you so much, Simone and Robbie. We appreciate you so much. You did a fantastic job tonight.
4: Thanks for having us on. You're
2: Thank you local. so much. It was wonderful.
3: Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that was so great. <laughs> what a wonderful read we had tonight.
1: Yeah, I I love the actors.
3: Yeah, so, so excited to have to have Robbie and Simone on board as our as our readers. I think they're gonna be a great addition to our
1: first to our time. Roster.
3: I know, first timers. Love it. Uh, so before we get started, I'm gonna crank cranky. As you know we do, so we don't jabber on for too long. All right. So, Jeremy, what did you think of that story?
1: I I love the creativity. Like <laughs> This season seems to have like a lot of creative people doing a lot of creative things. Like with the last one you guys did, I don't know if you're doing it in order, but the mermaids, the killer mermaids, Mm -hmm. and now killer chinchillas, you know, (laughs) like just a lot of crazy killers out there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. That's one thing I really love about this season is that there's a lot of uh, very, very specific um, stories about different subjects that we haven't necessarily covered on the show before and people taking their creativity to the next level and going in that pulpy or just elevated kind of area. And I, and I really appreciate that. And that's one of the things that I love about, about Jeff's story is that he really owns the genre and he plays with, he has all of those things that we love in this type of story like the the lady cop and the the crazy activist and the even and I love the interlude with the family and the little girl with the chinchilla like and the dynamic between Claire and Andrew the husband and wife I just think that that works so well mixed in with the high intensity of what's going on with Wilhelmina and and her investigation.
1: I had no no say in the choosing of this, so I'm curious, Megan. Like what happened when you saw submission chinchillas i was
3: like please dear god let this be amazing cuz this is the <laughs> most amazing title like unless this is you know just like complete crap i'm on board like i just i love it from the title and then i read the story and i was like oh thank god it's good this is amazing and i knew right away that i wanted that i wanted it to be on the show
1: Jeff is listening behind the scenes. We're talking behind his back right now. <laughs> Jeff, that title is so good. It's the best. It's, it's the, the best, best title. title. Just yeah. right up front. You know what you're getting.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and I love stories like that. Uh, we were, um, we were talking about that with some of the other stories. Like the title is so important, especially so when we, important. yeah. Especially when in a story like this, that has that kind of pulpy, um, you know, cop, kind of feel to it. I I think just telling your audience right away what they're getting into is so important and it Absolutely. sets the mood, you know? When you when you read a name like Chen you're like, "Oh yeah, I know. I get excited because I know the, exactly the type of fun that I'm going to that I'm going to get."
1: Well, it's also sort of a thriller, and one of my pet peeves about thrillers is their titles. Dark Frost or Dark Road or Darkness. You know, like weird <laughs> or a woman in the window at two AM or something, like and you're like, What does this say? Oh there goes Frankie. So I just love when a title says what something is. Like
3: Yes, absolutely absolutely. I one hundred percent agree. And you know what you're getting yourself into and you don't have to second guess it. You know when you pick up that book or that story, you know. All right, so right before we bring in um, Jeff, I Jeff is a prolific writer, and I just want to give you guys a little bit of a taste of, um, it's not a taste, but tell you a little bit about all the places that you can find Jeff's work. So Jeff has a semi-regular blog that he talks about in a wide range of interesting topics. And you can find that at wordsmith1.com. Uh, He's also a DJ and an amateur electronic musician that he goes by the name of J Love the Soundsmith. And you can find all of his uh, his DJ uh, music at SoundCloud slash J Love the Soundsmith and also at Soundsmith1.bandcamp.com. So let's bring on Jeff Love. Hello. Hi Jeff, it's so great to see you.
0: Great to be here. Thank you so much for us. Luckily my story doing such a great job of performing it. And oh. uh, getting that silly little piece of uh, <laughs> schlocky uh, whatever out there into the world.
1: <laughs> Jeff, you were telling us in a rehearsal, like what made you write this?
0: Uh, I, you know, as, as a writer, you come up with, coming up with titles for things is sometimes the easiest part of it. And I just thought, you know, what, what if they were like killer chinchillas and, and <laughs> chinchillas, it just popped into my, you know, I thought of that, that there was like a movie called Zombievers that made me think of it. Beavers? Are oh, you
3: serious? I yeah. love, I've seen that movie and I love yeah. it. It's fantastic.
0: I thought, and it was just supposed to be like a one-off tweet. And my tagline was, you know, they'll make a good cult out of you. (laughs) It was just something stupid. And then I, I I guess a lot of writers challenge themselves. So I just challenged, I was like, let's see if I can make a story about it and kind of give it a twist ending, so to speak, you know, and I, it just kind of, I just, it just kind of ran away with me and I started letting the characters do what they do and that's how it came up. And there are some people who want, they want more tales of Detective Walk and O'Bannon and then there are others who want more tales of Shoshana for some reason. (laughs) Oh my Uh, (laughs) gosh. Did you say no? (laughs) I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it, if anywhere, because like I said, it was just kind of something I threw out there just to show off my, you know, funny side, I guess. I, I inject humor into most of my stories, but that one was, I just really wanted to take it in kind of that zombie You territory. Know? I
1: love that. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to have to and, check out this movie. I've never heard of zombie It's
3: It's so um, great. Well, Jeff, you it's, really it's, nailed yeah, it. Yeah.
0: It's a little slasher film, you know, just like crazy stuff happens in it and I just kind of melding those words together. You know, I, I kind of have some other ones that I'm throwing around, but I'm gonna keep those to myself for now.
3: Okay. Yeah, don't give away, don't give yeah. away the, the secrets beforehand. Uh
0: Je- Jeff, I'm being a little nosy. Um
1: yeah. yeah, like what what do you usually like? What are your inspirations? What do you watch? Like what do you read? Like what are you excited uh, about?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> my wife is uh cool at gallery back here, but uh I I watch a lot of um retro television those hour-long cop dramas you know uh um, robert files charlie's yeah. angels i grew up on that stuff and it, it still comforts me to this day and then uh i i'm a big fan of mystery science theater 3000 and uh, oh that's, that's
1: a- such a- oh it's so good i love that yeah
0: and they, they you know they spend a lot of time just you know, just making fun of of Film genres, you know, just mm-hmm. all the things that they come up with in in a particular genre, and it's like, okay, well, this is where it's going to be, you know, it, and I kind of, I, I kind of look at that, and the other things I read a lot of are Betty and Veronica comics, Betty and Veronica mm-hmm. comics, <laughs> and um,
4: I love those.
0: I've seen all the Disney fairies movies more times than I can count. And I just got, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm just kind of all over the place with it. Y-
1: you are. That's so great.
0: And, and you know, I was telling someone about my I got a killer mermaid story on deck, and I was telling somebody about it, <laughs> yeah. and they said, "You you just have a real your imagination just doesn't stop, and it's like, I I I, I you know I don't know what anybody else is." imagination is like this is normal to me so yeah
3: yeah. i i love that i love like you're not trying to be anybody else you're just going with what your inspiration and your creativity your um, imagination and creativity where it's taking you i love that
1: we were saying in another episode uh jeff that like when people think of stories and short stories there's almost like a too elevated thing for a lot of readers where they're like, I can't get into this. And I feel right. like people who are willing to do things like be funny, like are so needed. Like, And it, it saddens me that like there is a frowned upon thing when mm-hmm. it comes to like being B, you know, like doing a B story, like, you know, like zombie beavers. I just think that's a yeah. shame because I feel like stuff like that gets people into reading.
0: Well, yeah, it just stays. well, you, you're thinking, I think most average people, not average people, people who aren't writers, mm-hmm. will, no, will think yeah. of a story and say, and say it's ridiculous. And then someone will come along and write that story and they're like, well, I thought of that like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was just messing around and someone actually made a story out of it. So there, it, it does take some kind of ability, you know. But, it takes bravery too, because yeah.
1: like it it's one thing to I think sometimes like I hope nobody gets offended like out there. but I think sometimes people don't have a story and then they hide themselves in behind pretty words, right? And like yeah, when you come out, you're you're like, this is killer chinchillas, right? Like you're being brave, you're being bold with your story. you're just coming right out about what it is.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I try not to be too overly flowery with the prose. I try to keep it kind of so that, you know, this is just a guy sitting next to you telling you the story. This is, oh, let me tell you this story about these killer chinchillas. And
3: and I just love how, like, nuanced the characters are. Like, one of my favorite lines is when is after, like, Shoshana stabs Wilhelmina, and the Mm -hmm. first thing that Wilhelmina says is, like, I'm not into pain, <laughs>
0: right? Right. <laughs> and
3: I just and I just love that because it tells us so much about like Wilhelmina and just the fact that she would say that and it's so funny and succinct. And I feel like yeah. there's a, there's a lot of places with all within your story that are like that that are like just spot on.
0: Well, there, there's the, the you know there's also like the some of the, some of the classic sitcom tropes you have to kind of lean on them a little bit. So, so when uh, Claire says to Andy, oh, I made a new marinara. Tell me what you think of it. She <laughs> didn't She didn't make a new marinara.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and she we all so know she didn't make a new
0: marinara. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just like, you know.
3: Like.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. Do you? But
0: think- yeah, just all of my, I mean, I do have like stuff that's a lot more, you know, drama oriented. And I even have some suspense thrillers that I'm trying to get out there but I do love just doing these silly short stories. I did another one about an alien guy who lost his umbrella, which was really his secret oh, spaceship.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cute. I like that. Yeah. I don't know if it's cute, but it sounds cute. I like that.
0: Oh. Yeah. So yeah, it's just whatever spills out of me at any given moment, you know?
3: Do you feel like any of these characters are you? Like, do you see yourself in any of these characters?
0: No, nah, not particularly. <laughs> I, I used to do a lot of self-insert. I don't do it too much anymore because I've already, I guess I've already gotten that out of my system. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wrote this, I self-published this book. It's up on Amazon. It's called Her Times Two, The Isosceles Conundrum. And it's about this guy who falls in love with this girl and he, he finds out she has an identical twin. And then he starts dating the twin, and then they, he has to decide who he wants. And that was my self-insert. That that guy was me with the, in love with the twins. <laughs> I wrote a whole novel about, and, and I was on the track, too. I was not in college, but, I, you know. So, yeah, I was a track athlete with girl problems, which is something that did not happen to me in college. But as Oh, I love as, that. As, no, 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 it's, it's the character... Just characters that that, that that have come across my life at one point or another and you know mm. and just yeah the the uh you know like the um the kid naming the the chinchilla foxy that's something foxy, like my, I love daughter, that my daughter would do that she'd get a hamster and name it foxy she'd get a fish and name it falcon she was just <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh i
3: love that so much <laughs> Yeah, so you know you
0: just pick up pick up stuff. I, I yeah, I'm done self inserting though.
3: Mm, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, I, I just think, like
0: entertain people now.
3: Yes. Well, you definitely did that tonight. and thank okay. you so much for sharing your story with us and for taking the time to, to be with us tonight and and doing the interview. It's been so wonderful and it's been great working with you. So thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you too, and um, you guys uh, did a great job. And uh, yeah, thanks again.
3: All right, thank you, Jeff. We appreciate you, Rock, Jeff.
0: <laughs> all right, bye, bye, bye.
3: And Jeremy, thank you so much for being our special guest again. I always love it when you're when you make a you show your your happy face on the show, so you're not gone away forever all the time. It's warms my heart so thank you for that
1: you're so welcome well you you kind of you kind of threatened me
3: <laughs> well if i remember correctly you were the one that was like i'm doing chinchillas yes <laughs> chinchillas. i'm doing
1: chinchillas. Well, no, you threatened me to smile is what i mean
3: oh you, yes you're yes. gonna smile yes. smile I definitely did that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate you being on the show. You're so welcome.
1: I'm I'm so appreciative to be on the show, Megan. I'm just talking now. So Megan, if we do get dislikes, it's because of me. Right there. There's going to be a peak right here.
3: You know, I I always love the dislikes because I feel like if someone feels... really excited about it. I do. I get excited about them because I feel like at least we're soliciting some sort of emotion from someone if they feel the need to hit the
1: dislike. (laughs) This one might have comments. Don't put him back on the show. (laughs) I was really liking it until that end part. Yeah, they were like,
3: I just turned that off. I didn't listen to the end.
1: (laughs) But no, it's been fun for me. Like, uh, so listeners, I'm not really part of nobody read short stories picking anymore so it's been really fun like listening into the stories and everything that megan's chosen so well megan um, and
3: mark. mark mark megan and, and mark
1: yeah. yeah yeah hi mark <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm gonna say good night jeremy <laughs> Good night, Megan. Good
3: night, Jeremy. Goodbye. All right, so that concludes another fantastic episode of Nobody Read Short Stories. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can find all of our previous episodes at nobodyreadshortstories.com. Watch all of our videos on YouTube. Please like and subscribe, as well as download. You can download our audio podcasts from Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Um, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you listen to your audio podcast you can find us. So thank you so much and we will see you guys soon.
2: No one reads short stories anymore I Really don't know what they're written for Go write a short story and throw it out the door because no one reads short stories, funny, sad, or gory. No one reads short stories anymore.
4: Yes, no one reads short stories.